Ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors. Coming to you live from the Wilson studio, Nicholas Wilson, Alex DeBorder, ready to kick it up and kick it down. This has been one we've been excited for for a while, and we cannot wait to get this one underway. Y'all pull up a chair and sit a while. This is going to be a good one. Nicholas, I don't think there's been a time that we've done a show yet where I've been more excited to get an old cowboy from out in Oklahoma on to kick it up with us for a little while. And uh, I'll tell you what, through a journey of attrition and hammering big bucks over the last five, six years that we've been able to watch him on a great show, I cannot tell you, it's it, there's not been a better show to watch for me. And uh, I cannot wait to talk to this gentleman tonight. I'm fired up, man. We've been going back and forth on this, and it's a tough time of the year for these guys that we've been trying to get on, um, trying to keep it in season, but we're we're ready for this one. Well, as a field producer for a, a major marketing television show and around the cast of characters that he's blessed enough to get to enjoy camps with, this guy comes to us with a very humble approach in everything he does. He carries himself in a way that anyone could be a friend with. He could walk up to him at any show, I'm sure, speak with him at a store, go up to him in a restaurant, and I promise you he's one of those guys that'll take the time out of his day to talk to you. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a great father. He comes from a long lineage of big buck hammers, and I can't wait for everyone to get introduced to this gentleman. And I want to first and foremost welcome to Talk About It Outdoors Mr. Brandon Diker. Hey, it's an honor. I appreciate you guys having me on, and let's talk big bucks. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cuz told us last time when he had him on, he said, I'm a professional. You boys kick it up and kick it on. We ready to go. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> what, better you time, go. what better time to have somebody like him on with the Braves in the World Series, and he gets to hunt. With the Mr. Brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I and I, I definitely want to talk about that, Brandon, in your relationship you've been able to build with Chipper Jones and Matt Duff and how it all came to fruition for you. And for Nick and I to be able to get the opportunity to speak with a gentleman like yourself, you know, I, I've watched you on TV for a lot of years. And watching you when you would kill a mule deer to me has been one of those things that's just stuck out in my mind. I mean, I know you hammer on big whitetails, but those spot and stalk moments when you go chase those big mule deer, that that's some of the coolest hunting there is. Oh, yeah. that, that that's, that's, a, that's a place that I go. It's kind of, it's kind of dear to me because I – you know, go through the struggles and everything and the whitetail sitting in a stand. And then it's kind of just something totally different. Get out and, and almost like turkey hunting, you know, just moving around and getting to, and always in the action. You know, we just love that place. we got a big ranch out there in, um, in uh, Northwest Nebraska, close to the Wyoming line. And it's, you know, 17,000 acre ranch with not a tree on it. So it's, it's unreal of what you can see and, and, uh, you know, you're just, it, it's something that, uh, that we can always count on going out there, whether it's hot, cold, snowing, whatever the weather conditions may be, you're going to get on deer. You just get up high, spot them and then go to them. But it's, you know, it's for, it was my first muley, uh, to get out there. My son, you know, shot up his first muley at 10 years old, which was 
you know, the best, best hunt of my life. And then actually my girlfriend last year shot a big whitetail. So a three first for, for all of us. And so that place is definitely dear to me. Now I want you to take us back, um, to the, to the very beginning. We always do this. It's a little bit different than a lot of shows I guess do. And we want you to take us back to the beginning for you and where it all started in the outdoors. Cause really that's the story that, that, you know, people don't get to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my dad didn't grow up. He wasn't a hunter. Um, you know, we rodeoed my dad. We were big into rodeo. Dad took us rodeo and he had actually went on a couple hunts, you know, when he was younger, but back in the day they did the deer drives and, you know, he had a bad experience and was done. And so we didn't, I mean, I have to give it out, give it up to my brother. I mean, he's the one that kind of got me started. We're six years, uh, difference in age. And he just kind of always took me under his wing and, and we, we got to hunting and we started buying this ground or leasing ground in Northwest Oklahoma. And, uh, it just took off from there. And then I just really took the bow hunting. I mean, once I got started bow hunting, it, it, I never really wanted to touch, you know, go back to the gun hunting again. It's just something I, I, I love to do. I love to play that, you know, chess game, if you will, um, you know, with these big, big bucks. But yeah, I mean, we, we didn't, uh, you know, wasn't a lot of deer, um, where I grew up in central Oklahoma. And so, um, as probably 12, 13, 14 is when I kind of got introduced to it. And, uh, you know, me and Jeff and a couple of my cousins didn't really know what we were doing. Just took off to Northwest Oklahoma, started leasing up ground. And, and then once you started getting into the big bucks, you know, it was game over from there. We were hooked. Did you do any turkey hunting early on? I'm gonna ask for Nick because I said <laughs> you'll you'll learn something as you talk to us. Nick's the Nick's the turkey hunting side of it, and I try to be the deer hunting side of it. And we both do them both, but I pick on him all the time for being a turkey hunter. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that turkey hunting is 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 great. It's uh, but I same deal. I mean, I never we didn't have turkeys back home. You know, growing up, we didn't. You'd never see a turkey at the house. Now, now we got tons of them, and we love it. That's something that that we go and you know we actually got chipper involved in turkey hunting and he never will. He's like, I'm not shooting no turkey, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to travel to do it. And then once we, uh, once we got him out here to Kansas and me, Duff and chipper all got together. And, oh, we had, it's some of the best times we've had, uh, together, just, you know, running around chasing a bunch of turkeys. When you, when you started hunting out there, it's completely different from what I've saw on TV. Cause there's no trees whatsoever. I mean, there's trees, but they're not like the Midwest or especially down here in Georgia. How different was that when you started going to the Midwest to start finding trees? Because you guys come from nothing. I mean, you what would you be eight foot off the ground, maybe or box stands and stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I a lot of our stuff was, you know, like you said, eight, ten foot off the ground and you know, little crooked trees and stuff. Now, we where I grew up in central Oklahoma, there are there is some terrain and some blackjacks, and but I mean, we're our our ground down there is just so um, thick and, you know, it's, it's just tough hunting. You can't really pattern. There's no pinch points or anything like that. So when I got once, once going to the Midwest, I mean, it was just a, it was a new game. I mean, you had, you could hang in about every tree, you know, every time you seen a good spot or good pinch points, there was a good tree there. And, uh, but now, you know, here in Kansas where I hunt, it's, there's not a lot of good trees. I mean, it's pretty wide open ground, especially in the, in the Western part, um, where I'm at. 
it's uh you know there's some there's some trees but it's the best trees you're going to find is them big old cedar trees is what's one of my favorite sets because um, you got the scent and then you you know you're up you're you're hidden and all that and got good background but here in Kansas it's tough to find because there's a lot of CRP and then a lot of of crops and then you might have a creek with you know a few trees or whatever but um, the the thing I love about Kansas is you can see forever you know you get them you get them sets and you know like Georgia I know it's pretty thick in a lot of places and you know you you got a buck coming in on you you don't see him till he's 50 yards you know he sneaks in on you here it's it's tough for them to sneak up on you they they stand up in that crp and you can you can see them for a long ways and see them coming so but yeah kansas is is midwest it's 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 a totally different game we got a guy that we've had on the show a really good friend of ours jason lewis he's hunted kansas for the last few years and they hunt near milo early season muzzleloader that's what they try to target those milo fields and he's he's got a 202 and a 198 from out there and this year he was hunting an absolute tank and he said it's the the hardest chess game he's ever played in Kansas was this year. It absolutely whipped him for for ten days, and I'm hearing that a lot. That Kansas with the draw was way down on a lot of hunters. They didn't draw as many yeah, tags, and I think that's something that you know. Hey, you better get in line because Kansas is that next state to to show up and show out. It is. I you know Kansas is. I've hunted. You know I've got to hunt all over the Midwest, and you know Iowa obviously is is real dear to me, but. Kansas is my favorite state. I've, you know, shot, shot a lot of my, you know, my, my biggest bucks came from Kansas. My three top bucks came from Kansas. And, you know, it's just a play. It's just, if I had to choose any state, it would be Kansas. And there's, you know, like you said, it's, it's the, you know, you got Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, all them places are great, but Kansas, I'm telling you, it's, uh, there's some big, there's some big ones out here. Is that what got you on the uh, the cover of the Monster Bucks as a Kansas buck? It was, it was. I remember seeing yeah, you. That was a deer. Go ahead. I'm that sorry. That was a deer I hunted for for, for three years. That oh, was wow. uh, that was the deer we called Mahuka. I don't know if y'all remember the show, yep. but yep. it was uh, that was a special deer. And 192, he ended up scoring. But as a, I mean, pretty much an eight point, as a nine point, he had a he had like a three inch four on his left and other than that I mean he just had he had it all I, he was the biggest deer I ever chased and, and he was one of them ones that was when I did finally get him down it was uh it was special because he was one of the smartest deer I ever hunted and I in get, three years had 11 encounters with him golly well and you know that had to be an amazing moment for you to see and, and I, I kind of put guys I guess in in realms of each other and seeing you and Gabe Adair on the same cover of a, of a monster buck I mean y'all are really closely related in the the generational hunting that y'all have done and to see that that had to be a special moment for you when that came out oh I mean everybody everybody that grows up hunting dreams of being on just being on the real tree show it, for one but making the cover I mean that's just something that you know, maybe a once in a lifetime. It's kind of like killing two hundred inch deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. ain't done that, so it might never happen. <laughs> I haven't either. I'm still in line. And that, and that, to me, is exactly why Nick and I both agreed that we wanted to have you on the show. Is that the answer you just gave there? And the, 
you can just see that charismatic attitude and the positiveness that you give to it and anything that you do. You're always smiling. You're always – I mean, I guarantee you we could share a deer camp with you and it would just be nothing but laughs because that's the kind of guy that you are. But as you went into, you know, the rodeoing days and, and became – and you're still you're, – you're, are you an active team roper still now? Uh, so I, I, I sold my good mare about four, four or five years ago and, uh, going on five years, I guess. And then I just bought a couple new horses. So I'm ready to, I'm kind of itching to get back in it. Um, I tore my groin, um, uh, a couple years ago, really, really bad and just kind of got out of it completely. And, uh, but now I'm, I think I'm all healed up and ready to go. <laughs> well, Let's. I'm gonna since we're jumping around here. I want to go back to the Midwest. Now that you've hunted Illinois, Iowa, probably Kentucky, I guess. How much during this time of year that we're running into Brandon with the rut do you see in different places? Does it? it does it? Is it all pretty? Is it all pretty? Pretty close to the same around the first no first of November? Or do you see a big change in different states? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I mean, but you know, you take just like my farm, my farm here. Right now, it's it's there. I mean, it's dead. There's no there's no chasing going on. And then I got another farm up five six miles north of here, and it's there's big bucks chasing. Really? Um, you know, my, my farmer calls me yesterday and sees 170 inch deer chasing two does hard in the middle of the day. So, and then I got nothing here. So it does change. I mean, I think a lot of it is. Um, you know, the weather, the weather, the moon, all that, of course you guys know that, but that pushes everything. And then, but all through the Midwest, I mean, my favorite time to be in the woods and I'm not going to get to be here this year is Halloween. And, uh, you know, that's what I've killed a lot of good deer on Halloween or right around Halloween. Um, but it, yeah, it does. It varies. And I guess it's, it's just because of the weather, you know, what the weather's doing to get, I lo- I love to to uh, to ride them cold fronts and stuff. The the change in weather is always a really good time, you know, in the Midwest. When just like just like tonight, you know, when I when I talked to you guys earlier, um, I'm leaving my farm and I, that big buck's following two does. You know, he's right behind two does. So it, it's just like that, and a light switch goes off, and and you know, you're you're beating your head against the tree and not knowing what you're going to do and trying to figure out what next move you got. And then the next day you go out to a totally different game. I think by me asking that though, I'm, I'm thinking like, cause mid Midwest is such a big uh, topography of land there that we all consider that in. But some people like, you know, you hunting in Kansas, we're going to Illinois. We're me and Alex are probably hunting an hour and a half, two hours apart from one another. So they may be different there in certain areas. So we always try to set us, myself i set myself up usually for the second week of november um that's usually when we see the most activity now if i had a job that would allow me i would love to go and hunt that first and second week of november but i don't have that option as as far as the rut goes you guys are timing it just right as far as when big bucks for sure are going to be on their feet in daylight hours um you know the second week of november first and second week of november is that's it um you know, I, I always say from six to the through the twentieth mm-hmm. of November is your prime time as far as full blown rut. But you know, sometimes that can be the hardest time to hunt. It can. Um, like last year, you know, last couple years, um, 
my big deer that I was chasing, he was locked down on Halloween, you know? So it just all depends on like your does, you know, or whatever, what comes in and, and whatnot. But, you know, it's just, it's uh, my, my favorite time to hunt. And I think for me here in Kansas is, or in, through the Midwest is that pre-rut, yeah. you know, when they're laying down scrapes and they're real, uh, you know, you can, you can throw rattle and, and they're, deer running in i mean chippers chippers an hour uh east of me and he and him and duff said every time they've hit the horns this week they've rattled in deer so so that's why you like to hunt around that halloween time i do i like the pre-rut because a lot of times you know because the lockdown can be really tough and aggravating you know especially when you got a two or three target bucks you know and they're the bigger deer the most mature deer on the property well, obviously they're going to have the hot does first and they're going to be with, you know, whatever does come in, they're going to be with them. So that pre-rut is, is really my favorite time to hunt. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to hunt the rut because you just get to see so much. And, you know, every time a, a doe comes by, you know, something's behind her. Do you like to catch that late November? Like kind of, they call it the second chasing phase, I guess. Do you like to catch that? Because last year I went back up to Illinois uh, it was Thanksgiving weekend and I seen one of the biggest bucks I have ever seen on that farm that we hunt. And it was midday. I was going back to grab some lunch and he was standing out in the middle of a, a wheat field midday, just looking around. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. But I've, I've heard on other podcasts that people really like that later November time. Late November and early December can be the you know, last couple of years has been my best times to hunt up here in Kansas. It's the cold weather and, you know, it's, it's, it used to not be, I used to, could not stand to hunt the lake. Cause I, I it's just like, you couldn't ever catch that second rut. Yeah. But now, now getting to hunt, like I do, you know, I get to stay in the woods, you know, all through the week or whatever, two weeks at a time. And I get to, I'm seeing it and, that second rut can be amazing. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Now, does it does the weather play a big factor in up there in Kansas and, and Oklahoma and stuff because it does get so cold and so much snow for that late? Uh, so I, the, the colder it gets, the better it gets here. Okay. Uh, if it's cold, it, and, you know, like late December is a really good time to come to Kansas um, or through the Midwest when they all kind of just – the, the big snows or whatever and the really cold weather they they kind of just all come back together and and uh you know you when you start seeing them they'll come out into a field there might be a hundred head come out into a field together you yeah. know when it gets super <laughs> super cold but yeah it's tough to uh it's definitely tough to set in a stand you you talking to two old georgia boys that spent a lot of time <laughs> in the midwest but now hunting in north georgia we ain't seeing a hundred deer we wouldn't see i guarantee you i've been hunting since i was 10 year old that's 25 years I ain't seen a hundred deer in a season in Georgia. That just don't, probably two, just probably don't two seasons. Yeah, or three. I mean, you know, and that's and that's one thing that we try to drive in into people's mind with with what the expectations are. You're not going to go to the Midwest in every situation and see 40, 50 deer at a time, but you're going to have an opportunity at the buck of a lifetime that fast. And a buck of a that's lifetime right. for for us. 
It may be a 150, 160-inch deer and a guy coming from North Georgia that'll never see anything over 120, 130-inch deer. To get to go out there, it's just it's an amazing opportunity that people just don't realize. They watch it on TV, sure, but common folk going out there and doing it, just like when you first got started, it is a crazy, crazy thing to do. And it's just you can't explain it to people until they finally do it. That's right. You can. I got, I got a couple, couple of my buddies that come down from, from Florida. They come down here and hunted for their first time. And, uh, last year, two years ago in November, come down like November 3rd or 4th. And we, we'd got snow and it was cold and they'd never seen nothing like it. And eight, eight thirty in the morning, they're calling me, asking me if I want to go to breakfast. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sitting all day. <laughs> they were too colored. Like we can't, we can't take that Kansas win. <laughs> oh, well, you... but yeah, they was, you know, seeing that number of deer is, is something, you know, like when we grew up hunting, if you seen a deer, you know, it was, you did something, you That's know, right. it didn't matter what was on top of his head. You know, we always said that if it's brown, it's down. That's kind of how it was growing up. And then once we got into the, you know, and my biggest deal now, I think over the years of of getting to hunt the Midwest and and, and having my own properties and all that, management is one of my favorite things to do. You know, Chipper gets on to me all the time uh, because he's like, dude, we need you to kill more deer. And I'm like, if I kill one, be ready because he's going to be big. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm not going to go, you know, especially on like my, these properties that I've been managing and that's, you know, growing my own deer, keeping a healthy herd, taking out the right deer, whatever, and just really hunting age. That's, that's where it's at for me now. Um, you know, I could care less about going and shooting seven or eight deer on camera, you know, just because we need the footage or whatever. I'm like, let's get more guys. You know, that's what we need to do because I, that's not me. You know, and, and I don't, you know, let's, like we've had, one, you know, a couple of other guys on the show before and that's their deal. They like to shoot deer and yeah. that's fine. I don't, I don't, it's just not me. I want to yeah. kill the biggest deer on my property or the oldest deer. You know, I want to manage just like the deer I've been chasing for the last two years. He's probably going to score mid fifties to 60, but he's got huge mass I mean, his tines aren't six, seven, seven inches long. He's a junky eight point, but his bases are so big. And then he's got all these abnormals. He's probably got 25 extra points. But, you know, he is he's eight and a half years old. That's why I want to hunt him, you know. And Chipper gets on to me because I passed a couple deer that he, he thinks that were a year older than they were. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And but I mean, you know, we're passing some 160, like that laid back buck, probably one of the biggest deer I ever passed in Kansas, but he was a four-year-old. I knew it. And he had a chance to be 200, you know, he's up mid seventies buck. And I had it. And, you know, once I gave him the pass, it feels like every set I went to, he, here he come, you know, oh he's my just goodness. testing my patience. But you know, he's, he's the biggest deer I passed, but I was like, this deer's got a chance to be 200 and my goal I don't know if I'll ever get it done, but I want to kill a 200 inch deer. 
Boy, I tell you what, I'd hate to sit between him and Jeff at Thanksgiving dinner. I guarantee you they're like tooth and nail. You should have killed that buck, man. He ain't old enough. I told you you shouldn't have shot that deer. He was too young. I I, I take that away. From what you just said, though, the way you hunt, you're looking for that five, six-year-old deer. And and I, I was listening to Don Higgins today, and I told Alex earlier, I was listening to his podcast today, and he was talking about, and, and he was very nice about it, but he was like, look, most of our listeners – are killing three and a half, four and a half year old deer. He said, what I'm trying to teach people is I'm holding out for a five and a half year old deer. I don't care how big it is. I'm waiting for him to get that age because that's when he's going to be fully mature. So, Mm -hmm. and people just set their standards different, you know, and and just because Brandon sets his standards to five and a half year old, 200 inch deer, you know, the guy in South Georgia listening to this podcast he might as well shoot whatever, you know, because he may not never see that yeah. in South Georgia. <laughs> well, I'm not, I, and I'm not telling people. I'm, I think that everybody, if everybody would get on the same page as far as age goes, it's score don't matter. That's right. Score does not matter. That's right. You know, it's it's all about the age and, and managing them properties to grow big deer and keeping your herds healthy and, you know, where they're, where they're not. Like up here in Kansas, we have a really bad predator problem. And the stress level on our deer is so bad. And, you know, uh, just like anybody, stress, it can kill you, you know. And and when we get all the – when our deer are all stressed out, they don't grow to their – so, you know, that's another thing that we have to do is is get these predators gone and do keep a healthy herd. If you can keep a healthy herd and shoot age every year, we're good. All you gotta do, look, American Predator Hunter Fox Pro Special right here. I love, I love shooting coyotes. I don't even want to kill a deer. Just holler at your boy. I got you. Hey, you guys come down here anytime you want to. We got all kinds of cats and and uh, ain't that and where coyotes that, that you want? Ain't that where Heath hunts? Heath hunts. So, so we've got a guy that we're pretty good friends with because we are big predator hunters. Cody and I, another guy that's on the show with us, and we. We've hunted coyotes day and night for a lot of years, and and we've we've developed a relationship with a guy named Heath Baker. He hunts with Predator Tactics, and I think he said the other day he was on like five hundred and two for the year coyotes in uh, Colorado and Missouri. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, straight up yeah. killer. He he, he ain't, me and Cody, we ain't never killed that many, but that's that's something that's became a almost a cult following anymore. Is is these predator hunters and. I honestly believe around home we are seeing so many more deer yeah. because we have started taking out those predators. And the Midwest, it is unbelievable to me for a guy to go and be able to kill 10, 15, 20 coyotes at a time. But you can do it in Kansas. You can absolutely oh, yeah. do it and, and do it in consecutive days, hunting day and night. Yeah. And I don't see how y'all manage, you know, without hunting them all the time. And it, goodness, as much time as you spend in the woods during deer season, it's hard to get out in those late season or, or, or after and hunt them. I don't see how you manage it because they're bad. It's really bad. Well, and, and like I said, ours is, it's not under control for sure. I, you know, we try to take out as many as we can, but we, we need to come up and really do a predator hunt and, and get some guys and, you know, do, 10 mile radius and kill them all you know let's just let's get get rid of them but because i remember sitting last year got a snow and i mean i had five different bobcats four at one time come by me and then another big cat i mean five bobcats in one day that's crazy and on one piece of property we don't see the bobcats here like that 
yeah the 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 coyotes are they're thick they're so thick yeah and i i I saw a a report the other day on a fawn mortality of a coyote den they put a trail camera in in georgia this was in georgia and they watched a female with pups bring in 14 fawns in one spring and so you think about all right that's that's georgia and the deer population you take 14 deer out and there's a 35 per square mile you go to kansas and you've got three times the amount of deer Mm -hmm. you're going to have three times the amount of predators because they're littering those pups every year and they're filtering in i'd hate to see it there i mean i guarantee you it is an astronomical number that would blow you away it is it really is so, Brandon, I want to go into now. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about the Braves. This is Georgia. It's a Georgia base. We North Georgia boys. We've watched we the Braves. Series, baby. We, 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 we're literally in the, in the heat of it. What was that yeah, moment are. like for you to, you know, to really get involved with Major League Bowhunter and, and start down that journey? Because it started, what, 2016 for you? Yeah, so I, I had actually uh, – Let's see, it was uh, well. I've been with Major League Bowhunter since ground, you know, since it started. Okay. Um, but I was doing bug ventures at the time. Right. You know, me and my brother were doing bug ventures, and we had talked about doing another show. And I had met Chipper. We had sold him some ground uh, in Northwest Oklahoma, and uh, me and him hit it off. And he's like, "You need to come to my ranch in South Texas." and the buck commander guys are coming in and whatnot. And, um, you know, I grew up a Braves fan. I mean, we had CBS at home and I mean, Chipper <laughs> Jones was my, he was my guy. And, uh, I remember the first time I, I seen him there, Northwest Oklahoma. And, uh, he was there at our, our wallet, what we call the Wallahatchee house and walking in there, meeting him, you know, for the first time. And, and now looking back at that and going, you know, he's one of my best friends. I mean, Chipper is a class act dude. And, uh, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time in the woods together. And we bound, if we were a good, you know, we always said we're the dream team. You know, that's what we called each other. We're the dream team because we would just bounce ideas off each other. You know, he would want this tree and I'd want that tree. And we'd bump, you know. I have a little arguments and whatever, but we always had just such a great time. I mean, Chipper's Chipper's kind of a quiet guy, um, you know, until you get to know him. And then it's like a whole new side, you know, comes <laughs> out. But um, it was it was it was really cool. I mean, you know, my brother obviously was part of the show at one time when it when it first started. And then I was I, I'd never filmed. I had never run a camera. And Chipper's like, dude, I want you to film me, you know, like. And so it's kind of hard to turn down, uh, you know, Chipper <laughs> Jones. That's right. So I was like, right, let's, let's go. And, uh, man, we took off and he had never really hunted the Midwest. And, you know, he had, he had had the ranch in South Texas for a long time and he would kind of get introduced in the Midwest. And then he just, he fell in love with it. And, you know, just like anybody that does, if you guys come down here and hunt with me, y'all be coming down every year, but you know, he, he's, uh, it, it was a, it was a blessing meeting him and then, uh, you know, the friendship that we made and, and all the memories that we've had in the stand together. Cause you know, the first 10, 15 deer he killed in the Midwest, I was with him, you know, I was right over his shoulder and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's wouldn't trade it for nothing. Now it just got to be where, uh, you know, we needed more, needed me 
hunting more than I was. And for me to film him and hunt, it was a lot. I mean, I was spending 130, I think my 133 days was the most ever. And then 127 in a tree stand. Oh my God. That's a lot of time in the woods. And it was, you know, it was taken away from my family and, and my business and all that at home. So, and we needed, you know, we need more content uh, for sure. We needed me in front of the camera and, and hunting as much as them guys were doing. And so once it, uh, once it kind of settled in with that friendship, I'm sure Duff was, was right there in the mix of y'all just jabbing you as you go. Oh yeah. I mean, Duff is, Duff is how it, it all came about, you know, cause Duff, Duff had, uh, had met Chipper through his ranch down there. Duff had some property pretty close to him. Well, he got introduced to Chipper and then he just started filming Chipper, you know, the little handheld camera back in the day all over Chipper's ranch and they become buddies. Well, Duff had seen our place that we leased in Northwest Oklahoma. And when he seen it, he was like, it's the best place I've ever seen. And he said, I got to get Chipper down here. He's got to see it and he's going to buy it. And that's exactly what happened. He bought it and, and it was a good place, but he loved it. But it was one of them places that it was about a two or three week window. And if you didn't hit it, you would hate the place. But if you did hit it, it was unreal. I mean, it was off the charts. But is that, yeah, Duff, is that, Duff is the one that entered. What's that? Is that where uh, Chipper killed that uh, big buck a couple years ago? Wasn't you filming him? What was the name of that deer? What was the name of that deer Chipper killed a couple years ago? It had all the stickers on it. Um, and that hard timber. I, 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 I'm lost for hard timber. Was it, was it uh, uh, Palmer? Maybe oh, yeah, yeah. Palmer. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the one I remember. Yeah. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were filming that, right? So that I filmed that, and that was on a farm that I had had. Me and Chipper had together. Okay, uh, in Kansas though, that was in Kansas, and that was that was in 2015. That was the best year. I mean, we can always look back. We can look back at that year and go, it don't get no better. I mean, he he killed a. Um, that Palmer buck, which was 197. And uh, the same year on the same farm, 100 mile or 100 yards from each other, I killed the 192 Mahuka. So wow. that was a very special year. And yeah. having two I mean, deer of that caliber live yeah, in, live in the same area. In that same area. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we said. We had, we had three deer on the same trail camera. That year, we had a deer that I shot the next year that actually scored 188. We had Caesar, Caesar, Mahuka, and Palmer all in the same picture in velvet. You're talking about three, you know, giant, giant deer, which, you know, you never would ever dream about getting them all in the same shot. But we ended up killing two of the biggest ones that year, and then I killed the other one the following year. So do you do you think because was, he uh, you think because he killed Palmer that that Mahuka moved in to that area? No, Mahuka was Mahuka was a, actually an older deer. Mahuka was six and a half at the time, and and uh, the Palmer buck was just a four and a half year old deer. Oh wow! But yeah, he was he was a he, I say he was four and a half because I had filmed him two years prior and I had him at at a two year old. He possibly could have been three. So. 
Chipper, you know, Chipper's like, I think he's five and a half. He, and he could have been right. But yeah. either way, it didn't matter. I mean, just two absolute giants on, you know, that farm that we had was actually a section, but there was only like 200 acres huntable. Yeah. You know, so they're really living in a 200 acre piece together. You're talking about 290 inch deer. That's crazy. It's, it was crazy. It was, it was unbelievable that they were there. I'm kind of glad we kind of went back to that and about trail cameras. I know trail cameras have went a long ways from 2015 to now. Do When you go to the Midwest, do you find yourself moving your cameras? Like if you go put out an early set, let's say August, and maybe you make a mock scrape, do you find yourself going in there this time of year, mid-October, and moving those cameras somewhere else? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, actually we've moved some cameras today. Uh, what are you, you know, focusing on? To move some cameras. Uh, scrapes, a lot of scrapes and, and, uh, you know, pinch points and whatnot. Um, like these creeks, like what we, what the ground we have up here, it's just, you know, you got crops on each side and, and maybe a creek running east and west, like my property does. And, and a 250 to 300 yards wide at the biggest part coming down sometimes to, you know, hundred yards wide and it's all running east and west. So we find them pinch points. And I'll put cameras on that, and then it's really, really concentrating on scrapes now. Do you try to get them? Do you try to get a um, a camera on like on a tight bedding area, or do you wait till the crops are gone and the and the deer are finished rutting and move that camera in there? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, try, I try to stay out of the bedrooms as 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 long as I can until it's time to actually move in there. You know, for them all day sets or whatever. Like in a week from now, we can we'll start doing that, but. Right now, I've got I'm I'm dealing with all my crops are still standing. Okay. Um, you know, we got standing corn, standing Milo, uh, just cut some beans, but um, it's that's 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 what's bad for me is because I'm I'm still trying to get my inventory. You know, when you got standing 300, 400 acres of of standing corn and yeah, you know not same <laughs> Milo, it's hard to to get your inventory and know what you actually have. So. But once they cut all them crops in the, in the next week or two, it'll just saturate them woods with, you know, all them deer now. And, and that's when we'll get all our inventory and know what we get, actually have. When, I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I got another question I thought about. Did, when you guys, because you're talking about you can see so far in Kansas, once those crops are cut and you notice, maybe you're hunting, maybe you've noticed since in the past when those bucks get in that lockdown stage, do you notice that the bigger bucks carry those does out there in that wide open to lock down with them, or do they go to those bedrooms? Uh, I mean, a lot of the big bucks go because, like, all my property, I, you know, I got a creek that's running on me, but everything up north of me is just wide open CRP or just even just wide open cut cornfields or mm-hmm. or bean fields, and you have an irrigation system, and you're allowed to see a 170-inch deer laying out there in the middle of the day under the irrigation system with a doe. You but know, they take them out to them wide open spots. That way there's not a lot of deer coming in and out and they can see everything around them. And, you know, they don't they don't want to be bothered. So that's what they do here. When you got that open ground, they can do that yeah. uh, and get them out there where, where no deer, you know, the deer aren't running by them all day long messing yeah. with them. Yeah, that's an interesting question because, I mean, many people don't think about a deer. They think once it gets locked down, heck, they're going to go to the bedroom, you know. But really, they're going to go out there where everybody can see them. They exhibitionists, son. They going out there right out in the open. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, especially uh, up here, you know, that, that's, that's another thing that I, that I deal with. Like, um, like last year, I didn't, re- I didn't get to Kansas until end of November, November 27th, my first hunt last year. Um, just had some wedding stuff and then, um, uh, with some, bu- some buddies of mine and, uh, just kind of ruined my whole hunt. My, what I like, where I like to be in October, end of October, November didn't happen last year. And I get up here and all my deer are busted. I mean, every one of my shooters, you know, either half racked or, you know, their twos and threes gone or, you know, just something was always busted on them. And that's the deal. That's, and that's, that's why them bucks take them out to that wide open. Cause they're having to fight for it. I mean, there's, you know, when you got four or five bucks on your property that are mature, they got to fight for it. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't take into account going to the Midwest later is if you're going after a big deer, most likely you're going to find a big deer cruising or see him cruising around. And you probably don't realize just how big that deer actually was back at the end of October 1st of November because he's broke off half his rack. You just don't see that here in Georgia. I mean, they fight, yeah, of course, but when you've got a 250-pound animal with 180 inches on his head clanking around, it, you got a 120-pound <laughs> eight-pointer in, in Georgia beating around. They ain't doing the same damage, and that's you better be careful if you go to the Midwest because you – now. If you like me, you go out there and you shoot one. You just go get a point fixed and go on with it. I mean, you got a good taxidermist, so yeah, yeah. And hey, I've done that too. But you know, it's it's just it's unfortunate sometimes. You know, you 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 get a deer and you and you get into the later seasons and then you see him busted up or whatever. And I've had it happen a couple times. Um, I had actually a few years back. I was hunting a different farm and. We had a buck, Duff knows very well too, a buck we call Gladiator, and probably mid-80s deer, just giant, and I had a wind to go hunt him and uh, see him, and his half of his racks busted, and he was he was with a doe or whatever, and half his racks busted off, so I just kind of rode him off. We ended up busting off the other side too, and a kid shot him in late season. Oh, no. I mean, he didn't have hardly any horns on his head, and he shot him, you know, not knowing or whatever. You know, it's just unfortunate you know, that late season where that youth season comes in and they can they can shoot, you know, does. I mean, I don't know if he thought it was a doe or what because he didn't have hardly anything on his head. But he shoots a deer like that, you know, that's 180-inch deer, and he's gone, yeah. you know, and you don't have nothing to show for it really. Well, but it, he's gone, and, and and I know you're in the same mindset as we are on this. That kid might have been that. That might have been the the most humble or the most amazing experience of that kid's life. And oh. as much as we like to to chase these big deer, and I know you guys put an amazing amount of time into it. I, I know one thing for sure: watching you and your brother, and anyone with a, a major league bow hunter, y'all are so in tune with the youth. And you want the kids to be able to experience. It doesn't matter if they shoot a spike, a buck, or if they shoot a 180-inch deer. That kid in that moment, That's right. it doesn't matter. I'll give all the deer I got for those, for, to experience one of those moments. That's exactly right. And that's what I always say, too. You know, it, whatever you shoot, whether it's a 115, 120-inch deer, three-year-old, two-year-old, if it's a trophy in your eyes and, and the excitement that comes behind that, and that's what it's all about. And that's what I love about hunting is 
we we have as uh, as hunters we have to bring our kids into this to keep it going i mean we we you know because there's so many things nowadays that's keeping kids out of the woods and and all that and so that's that's one thing that you know my my boy taking him hunting and him him shooting his first deer and the excitement of him it's like i don't care if i ever shoot another deer i'll take him i mean i'd just rather see them do it and uh yeah that that that's right you know and that's that's something that we've always that that we've always done is it whatever trophies in your eyes it don't matter if it's if if it gets you excited and pumped up and it brings you know the camaraderie and all that back to camp and everybody's high-fiving and no the jealousy is what i don't i don't understand you know it, and it, and we get a lot of it it's getting better but it, the jealousy is is something i've never i'm just as just as happy for the next guy you know my neighbor shoots my big buck hey i'm gonna go over there and i'm gonna high five him or whatever yeah i mean it's a letdown sometimes oh yeah but, absolutely yeah you know, i mean it knocks you know, the wind out of your sails but it's and i yeah. think you hit the nail on the head there with the jealousy and everything that's in the the hunting community i mean we and we talked about this with cuz we are our own worst enemy in a lot of aspects when it comes to it because there's so much judgment and we've talked about this numerous times on the show that you don't know what one loose comment popped off to a guy that, that may have shot the biggest deer of his life. And it may not have been a big deer to you, but it could have been the trophy of his life to him. The guy that's worked 40 hours, 60 hours a week to get out there and hunt. You pop one loose comment off to him. You may have just ruined that guy's whole hunting career, not just a hunt, but his whole career. He may never go hunting again. And I think that's the sad reality of it. Especially in the life we yeah. live now with everybody's soft feelings. Oh, well, and I, I don't exactly. – yeah, and, 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 you know, when I was – when we were coming up, I mean, you knocked down a six-pointer. It's like, man, you got you a good one there, didn't you? You know, it's pumped yeah. up. Yeah. It was never – what did he score? Well, you know, it might have been, dang, that's a big yeah. body joker. And I, I want to get back to those times. I want to see more of that. And, and you do see more of that in the, in the hunting community, in the industry. That's the – that's the industry change that we need because I'm telling you what, it, it's it's a sad day when there's not kids in the woods hunting. You know, that's that's, that's the right. thing for that's me. Right. Do you guys Well and I think a lot of I think a lot of people do, you know, and I and I I've guilt I've been guilty of it where score matters and score just doesn't matter anymore. You know, it, it like you said, it's it's whatever that deer means to you, and it'll matter if it's a spike or a six point or whatever it may be. If it's a trophy in your eyes, that's 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 awesome, and everybody needs to celebrate that. Yep, that's right. I'm gonna put a tape on it though. Now I tell you, I, that's one of my favorite times. Get back to camp. Let me get my tape out. Let me go to measuring him. Let's see, boy, he's got four and a half inch bases. You know, he's got a twelve inch too. And I think that's a whole nother aspect for for. You know, the guys that are fortunate enough, like we are, to go and hunt the Midwest, chase these big bucks out there, and I think that's one of those things that we can't forget, you know, as much as score doesn't matter, I, I hate to tell you, I'm going to ask that question, do you put a tape on him yet? Yeah. You know, that's the question you got to yeah. ask, and I love that. Well, well, it's just like, you know, you you guys go and hunt in, in Illinois, and, and it's it's a friendly competition. You know, oh, yeah. It always, oh, yeah. You know, who wants, who wants to, you know, obviously you want to kill a bigger deer. So, but at the, at the end of the day, it's all about getting in the woods and ha and spending time together and, and, uh, you know, getting to hunt some big bucks and, 
If he got up, if he better. if he got up and walked on this concrete, it sounded like a horse was down here, Brandon. So <laughs> I ain't got a horseshoe that bad. Now. Come on, now. <laughs> Brand, Brandon. Right. Do you guys have a problem um, out in Kansas with people trying to get on your property or people messing with you guys or anything? Uh, so here, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I I don't I don't have any problems. So we've had in the past 10, 15 years here. I really haven't had any. We don't have a lot of hunting pressure where I'm at. And I, I'm, That's good. I'm fortunate for that because, you know, you got – but like I said, you got a lot of open ground um, that's just wide open with no trees. So, like, if you're on the creek, you know, where I'm at on the creek, and I just don't have anybody coming in. Now, my farmer always tells me that late season, like rifle season, you know, comes in in December, and a lot of times I'm gone that he'll drive around and just make sure. But, you know, cause you, you still got them guys, them poachers that come in and see something off the road and shoot it or whatever. But I think I, I, I've been fortunate. I haven't had any, any problems. I, I was asking more. I think like if, if anybody's came to the property lines or just because they know that it's major league bow hunter or chipper might be over there. Do they, do they come over there and snoop around? Because I heard a uh, Mark jury on a podcast say that somebody came over to his property line one time and, was talking to him and it was dark. He was trying to get to the stand. They're like, are you Mark Jury? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, let's quit talking. Let's go sit in the stand together or something. So I didn't know. Took if you, the guy to the stand yeah, took with the guy him. To the he's stand like, yeah, with you're going to keep talking to me. Just go hunt <laughs> with me today. Yeah. We, we have, we have de- dealt with them issues a lot uh, in the past, but you know, we kind of got it now where, um, you know, the people that we hunt with are like least ground from or whatever. We kind of tell them up front, like, Hey, let's, let's kind of keep it on the down low. Yeah. Um, but like, I can remember going to, uh, going mule deer hunting with Chipper and I was filming him and we went with a guy, an outfitter that wanted us to come out and everything's free. We'll take care of you, lodging, all this and that, and, you know, Chipper Jones coming into town. So we're like, Hey, and I, I would always do the calling and be like, Hey, let's don't nobody kind of keep it hush hush or whatever. Well, we get there and camp and spend a couple days and there's 15, 20 guys a night and their wives and kids coming over with hundreds of baseballs and <laughs> this and that to sign. And, um, Chipper probably signed every one, one of them. <laughs> he did. He did. But you know, that's his time to go and relax and have yep. good. Cause he, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, especially being from Georgia, y'all know what he goes through Yeah, yep. anywhere he goes, he's recognized and, he's a lot of times bombarded, which, you know, he does good about it. And, and, you know, that's part of it. That's, that's right. what I always tell him. Like, Hey, you, you're the one who's all famer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And if it wasn't for your fans, you know, you wouldn't have made it as, as good as you did. But anyway, so we had, we went and hunted these mule deer and we're sitting there. We're probably 300 yards off the road and I'm, we're setting up and looking out on this big alfalfa field and I turn around and there's three trucks, and everyone uh, there's four or five guys on each truck sitting on the cabs with spotting scopes and binoculars watching. <laughs> like they had a pro like, fishing, like, yeah, so like, following yeah. a bass boat around. That's right. Oh my! And no, so after that, we were like, we're not coming back. <laughs> well, I heard a I heard another podcast with Dave Owens on there from the Penhody Project, and he met some Primos guys down in I believe Mississippi or somewhere, and they pulled up in that Primo's truck and he's like, we're going to go have to hide that truck. Cause we're not driving that to any of my spots. So, uh, I didn't know if you guys had I learned, any, I learned my lesson a long time ago with the, 
with the stickers and stuff. I bet. I bet. Yeah. I try to keep my truck look like an old farm truck. <laughs> Got an old so, 350 yeah. out there. He's like, you Brandon Dinger? <laughs> no, I'm I'm Billy. I'm Billy Doyle. You don't know me. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, and I think that goes, you know, without saying the it goes for anybody in the in the outdoor industry anymore, especially you get out and you go to a Walmart and I see people all the time taking pictures with guys and everything else and you know, people like us can't understand that, the the aggravation that comes with it. It makes it hard on you guys, you know, getting – you're in the limelight. You are the, the light. And how you handle that, those situations ultimately, because you have one bad experience, you know, with a fan and it gets out there yeah. and, oh, he's a jackass, you know, he wouldn't talk to me at all. Well, you're human. Right. You have a bad day. I have a bad day at work. Yeah. I don't want to be bothered. I mean, and that's – I think if more people had that mentality that they everybody's human, we're all human nature, and we all do for a bad day every once in a while. Well, I've always said, you know, and and like I said, getting into the hunting industry when I did, and and I've never been a spotlight guy. I don't want the spotlight on me. I just want to hunt and shoot big deer. But you know, I have been on TV, and I've been a face of the of the hunting industry for a long time now, going on twenty years. And so I do get a lot of people that come up to me or recognize me in different places and settings or whatever. <clears throat> and I've always said, it don't matter what I'm doing. I'm going to stop and talk to them. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you get to, we, we get, like I said, I, I hunted 130 some days in a stand for years, you know, like 120 to 130. I got tired of talking about hunting. Yeah. <laughs> but it was my job. And if somebody wanted to come up and talk about the does they had coming in their backyard every night, you had to li- you need to listen to them. And because they're talking that, and I've always said that I was going to be, I would never be that guy that would push them away or act like I wasn't interested, you know? Um, but, you know, and I think it's went a long ways with, with my career in the hunting industry is because I haven't ever had anybody say that guy's a jackass or, yeah. you know, he wouldn't talk to me or whatever. Um, and then I watch, you know, I, I watched Chipper and especially when I was with him all the time and we would get pulled over going down the interstate, people flashing their lights at us. And I would, you know, think we got a flat or what we pull over and they just come up. I knew that was Chipper in there. You know, <laughs> oh, just, and, and, and that's the, to me, that would be the hardest part about wanting to get away. There is no getaway for mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. Gosh, what a what a job that you know that he's done over the years, maintaining that you know that image and being good to being good to folks. I just I, I I like that. I think that's very cool. I would I would think that we could sit and have a conversation with with anybody out there, just as friends, you know, just as just as comrades in the outdoors. Because I I think that has to be a thought that sometimes laying in bed at night. Brandon Danker has to think to himself, what an opportunity that I've been blessed with. You know, what a chance mm-hmm. that I've been given. And all the negative that may come with it from social media or anything out there, I don't think any any anybody who's in the outdoor industry lays in bed at night and says, I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid as hell. I should have, I should have never. I don't you, might think have, that, you might have said that about a bad shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, no, I've, I've, I've obviously been blessed. The good Lord's blessed us, and 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 He's kept our show together. Because you know, you see, you see so many uh, hunting shows come and go. You know, and it's a tough industry. It's very tough. I can remember when me and my brother started. You know, years ago, the first five years, I was like, I mean, it was horrible. It was there's no way we're going to make it. You know, but we just kept fighting and kept fighting. And then, you know, you get the right sponsors. Like, you know, once we landed Realtree, it was all over. I mean, yeah. they were like, what sponsors do you want? They're, you know, and it made it a lot easier, but we made it, you know, and that was one thing that we were blessed and, and uh, we didn't give up. And I give a lot of credit to my brother because there was times that I was like, you know, I've spent, I've spent enough money to try to get this to go, you know, and kept thinking it wasn't going to make it, wasn't going to make it. And, he wouldn't give up. He didn't have no give up in him, no backup. And he made it. He's done very well for himself as, as well. He's, uh, you know, he's a face. And, but me and him are total opposite. He wants that spotlight. He he wants to put himself in front of everybody. And and uh, he, he can talk. He can talk hunting better than anybody I've ever been around. So, if, if but, the- you know, and I'm the opposite. I, I'm, a, I'm more of a go to camp, kind of want to be real low key and just hunt and he he's uh he's all about getting everybody involved and let's have a good time and and uh put the spotlight on him (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you what if there's somebody i mean maybe not the spotlight because that's more of alex than myself but if there's if there's a guy that that i look up to in the outdoor industry it, it for sure is your brother for especially for what he stands for and what he believes in yes um, and he, and he yeah. show and he shows his faith through everything that he does. And, and I think that's the best part about him, even though he's a big buck killer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the best part of him and what he believes in what he does. For sure. Um, well, and that's what he's made. He's made that more important now, you know, back when me and him were together, <clears throat> he was all about big deer. That's all he wanted to do is kill big deer, but he's made it. It don't matter. That doesn't matter. His faith and his walk uh is is what's important to him uh, sure. and his family you know and so it's it's uh i'm very proud of him and and uh what he's accomplished and, and where he stands that's right hey as we're wrapping up here brandon i got three final questions um first off what's one piece of advice that you would give somebody if I, it, it could be life advice or outdoor advice man what's one big piece of advice that, that brandon anchor would share with someone Well, I mean, you, you, everybody that knows our uh, our show knows never stop learning, yeah. and uh, you know that's that's something that I think about. I really have to go back and go. You know what? Every time I do step in the woods or life in general, uh, I learn something all the time. We're never we never have it all always figured out. You know, whether it's hunting or or work or family or whatever, we don't have it figured out, and we learn something new every day. Um, so never stop learning. I would say that was that, that, that phrase to me is, uh, it it really sticks to me and keeps me knowing that, Hey, I'm, you know, I don't have it figured out. By the time I think I do something, something shows me I don't, you know? So I would say, I would say that. That's a great answer because that kind of thinks that makes me think of this podcast. And and the reason we kind of wanted to do it was share stuff with people because people's always looking for information in the outdoors. People want to know what Brandon Danker's opinion is. People want to know what Cus Strickland's opinion is. 
to go out there and do that. So they may take that little bit of information and go use it the next time and be successful in the woods and be like, man, I got that tip from them. Let's share it with somebody else. And it just keeps revolving. So, right. Uh, for sure. Brandon, what are you most thankful for? Uh, family and the good Lord, you know, he blesses me every day. Um, I'm healthy. I've got great kids. Um, uh, you know, the good Lord is, is, uh, you know, I, I give all the praise and glory to him. Amen. I got two final questions and you, and this will not drop until after the series, but I want to know your early prediction and I want to know chippers. If he told you what the series is going to wind up being, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. He's 60, 40. Y'all, y'all pick. What do you think he went? Uh, I did. Four, uh, six games. Braves win it and win it in six. He's he's saying sixty percent Houston, forty percent uh, Atlanta. Really? Wow, that's his prediction. Yeah, they got some. They got some. They got some hard hitters over there on Houston. But I think uh, I think we might have them covered well, if we can take some at home. I I think the Braves. I think they got a really good chance. I think it's. I mean, obviously it's one to one, so it's it's fifty. Yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at. I, but just like Chip, we were talking last night, and um, he said he he's leaning, you know, sixty forty uh, with Houston. But he said, um, "Watch out next year." Really? You know? Yeah, I think. Yeah, they- just because everybody will be back. You know, we got some guys hurt and whatever, and then um, everybody's going to be back. And he's like, next year's. It's, we're winning it. I think if we can take two out of the three at home, I think we'll win it in Houston. I think they'll I go. I think they can go to Houston and pull one, pull the, pull the next one out. Well, I mean, they they they've got hot at the right time. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't. Their bats are on fire, and I, I'm. I think I think the Braves are going to win it. I think they'll win two out of three at home. I do too. I, I yeah. hate that Morton's hurt, but I think Kyle Wright or Smiley, somebody's going to stand up and take look, care. Of. Look. I got cold chills just come <laughs> over me. We're sitting here. Now, listen, you and I both grew up in North Georgia with, and I'm not a huge baseball fan, but Braves baseball has been the the epitome of baseball in our, in our lives, in our dad's lives and everything else. We're sitting here talking with a guy that sat with a Hall of Famer that you and I, at 35, 36 year old, grew up watching as an idol. As an idol in any kind of baseball, would you ever thought it, son? In a podcast, I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious! I mean, I just I got chills all over me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you know. I have I've been in situations where I had to kind of pinch myself and like, is this real? You know, um, you know, going to going to his induction, you know, that was something, you know, cause I was a big baseball play, fan and I played baseball growing up, even college ball. And like I said, my team was the Braves and, and Chipper was one of my favorite players, but I never, it was crazy because it took me and him knew each other for two years. And he finally threw me a baseball signed. He said, you weren't ever going to ask, was you? And I said, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably got that one in your safe forever. <laughs> I do. I do. Nick, what you got? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm I'm just thankful and glad you came on, man, during this heart. <laughs> I know it's tough for you because you're out there hunting, and I know you probably got to get back to work because it's crazy. Like you said earlier, it's crazy building right now. So um, I just yeah. appreciate you taking the time out to come on here, dude. 
No problem. Sorry, sorry, I couldn't get on there sooner. I, it just things were happening, whatever. But I, I I'm, I'm blessed to be on here. I, oh. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Oh, we've had a we've had a we've had an absolute blast with this. So. Um, so that Nick, that brings us down to the final spit of the night. Um, you know, Brandon Danker's stewardship for the outdoor community community cannot go unmentioned tonight. His jovial attitude, warming nature, and overall positive approach to life in general gives us a chance to see just what chasing your dreams can bring. Major League Bow Hunter, in its entirety, paints a perfect picture of friends doing what friends do, making memories or moments captured in time and shared with folks all over the world. It's a surreal experience in life just to share a conversation with Brandon tonight, let alone share it with all of you. Perseverance, hard work, and integrity. Brandon, we want to thank you for taking your time out and joining us here tonight. And as we sign off, we're going to say it again one more time, Nick. Remember, smile as you go, and don't forget, mount the memories.